Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth perspectives and interesting stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at tvo.org daily. The last day of school this year was in March, in-person school that is, after the COVID-19 pandemic came to Ontario. Now, as the province prepares to put kids back in the classroom for the first time since then, how are teachers getting ready in these unsettling times? With us now on that, in Smith Falls, Ontario, Christy Tate Angel, who teaches kindergarten in the Catholic District School Board of Eastern Ontario. In Mississauga, Diana Wang-Martin, who teaches chemistry in Peel District School Board. And in the provincial capital, Jay Williams, who teaches math, English, science, history, and geography in the Toronto District School Board. Welcome to you all. Thank you so much. I know you're all really busy right now, so we do appreciate you taking time for us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So before we start talking about what's to come in a few weeks, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about what it was like when you had to pivot uh, in March. uh, So from March to June, what was your experience like teaching during that period? Uh, Diana, I'd like to start with you. Um, Well, it was uh, very stressful and it was very chaotic for me. Um, We went into online uh, schooling in April after trying to figure out what was happening at the end of March. And right there and then I had to teach all of my courses online. Uh, in addition to helping my son who was in elementary school with his work at the time, I was also very concerned about my, my mom, uh, who lives by herself. And I was also very concerned about my dad who at the time was in long-term care. So there were many things to deal with um, during those months, um, trying to figure out what was going on with the pandemic, trying to order groceries online, um, trying to figure out whether or not we need to wash everything once we get them you know, delivered. Uh, there were so many issues um, in addition to trying to teach all of my courses online. And Christy, what was it like for you? Um, It was a different end of the spectrum in terms of challenge as I was working to teach kindergarten online and kindergarten is a play-based learning program. So we were trying to provide activities for parents to do with their kids, realizing that as Diana spoke, parents were doing their own jobs at home on top of supporting children. And as we know, the youngest children can't do a lot independently. You can't expect them to log on to a computer and be able to access course material. So we were very, our team was very cognizant of the fact that we were also putting a lot of demands on the parents because it wasn't as if we could deliver what would be a typical kinder program just by posting something online. Um, So it was really interesting to try and find ways to still keep, honor the intention of the kindergarten program and provide learning opportunities without trying to turn our parents into teachers, which they're not. And Jake, what, what about you? I mean, I would agree with, with both of you ladies. Um, it, it was a struggle, it was a struggle. But to be clear, it was emergency learning and not uh, distance learning. This is something that's very different for, for all of us as educators and for parents and students at that time. 
um, I teach grade eight. So as you can imagine, my students were struggling with the idea that they were graduating from grade eight and going on to high school. So there was no graduation. There was no grad trip. And then just the thought of them thinking about starting grade nine in a whole new school, um, possibly virtually too. So there's a lot of stress added to them at that time. But similar to what you were saying before about finding silver linings, um, I, along with a friend of mine by the name of Matthew Morris, created a, uh, a weekly online Zoom platform called Quarantine Ed that allowed teachers like ourselves to come together and, and vent and share ideas and opinions and questions and kind of create like this ongoing therapy opportunity for, for educators during such an uncertain time. And it created community in a sense, um, because before we were taping, I was talking about how during these past few months, uh, it, everything's been happening so fast for everybody that you try to find the silver linings in what's happening right now as we go through it together. Uh, so I wanted to ask you the same question, Christy and Diana. Uh, during that time, were there any positives that you could think of? Uh, Christy, I'll start with you, please. Um, I had the fortunate pleasure of taking part in the TVO Kids uh, Power Hour of Learning series. So I actually got to plan and deliver lessons using the TVO Kids materials. And a lot of the kids from my school and families from my school reached out and said they had seen the episodes on TV. And it was a nice way to keep in touch with people and feel like I was seeing my kids even though I wasn't seeing them. It was a way to connect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Diana, you mentioned before you were juggling not only with work, but in your personal life. Um, any positives come out during that time? Um, I, I, I was thinking about that and it was such a stressful time um, that I, at this point, because I haven't really had any rest since then, um, I unfortunately can't think of much other than the fact that I spend a lot more um, distant, socially distanced time with my mom. Um, and, you know, I worked on the backyard a little bit more than I would have in normal times. And that's but, okay. Uh, that's okay, though. I don't think you should feel as if you have to explain because I think. Uh, we've all been learning as we go. And the fact that you're teaching and also have to, uh, you have to, you're working from home and trying to manage everything. Uh, not necessarily everyone's going to find a positive in that situation. Right. So I don't think you should feel bad about that. How are you feeling now about returning to school, Diana? <laughs> uh, I am quite stressed. I, 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 Why are you stressed? I feel that I never, I didn't get a chance to rest since March, since the pandemic hit, since the school closed. Um, it was one thing after another. Um, in June, my, my dad passed away. And then it was just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Um, and then, you know, then throughout the summer, um, I kept hoping that the government would, you know, implement some plans that are uh, going to be, you know, safe for students and staff. And I feel at this point that the plans are not safe. And I'm very worried, very stressed out about not just, you know, myself returning to the classroom or my husband returning to the classroom, but my son returning to elementary school with uh, a full class of, you know, high 20s, 30 students 
and no possibility for a social distancing. I'm just very anxious, very stressed out uh, about the situation heading in. All three of us are going to be in school, um, my husband and I teaching, and my son again in elementary school where the possibility of social distancing is uh, really not there. I want to express my condolences for your loss uh, of your father. Um, and Jay, I'd like to ask you, how are you feeling about returning to school? Uh, firstly, let me say, Diane, um, my condolences as well. Um, I share some of the same sentiments as Diane mentioned as well in terms of, you know, feeling anxious or, or um, a little stressed out. But I'm also excited. I'm trying to be as positive as possible in terms of um, the inevitable, which is returning to school. Do I wish there was a stronger plan in place by the government? Of course. Um, but the same token, uh, students need engagement. Students need uh, to be in the classroom as much as possible. Um, I wish, as I mentioned before, it was a bit safer, but I'm, I'm revved up and ready to go. You said you're stressed out and you wish that it would be safer. What would make it safer? What would make you feel better about going back? The, the plan doesn't include capping class sizes, right? Let's be very frank and very clear that I think having 30 kids in a classroom is not the, the best idea. I'm a, a very social teacher in terms of getting together in group work and, and inquiry. And I don't know if this current plan allows for that to happen. I don't know if, if you know, sitting in road seating like we did when I was a kid allows for this to happen. So realistically, it'll take a lot in terms of changing how I approach what I, what I see as my, my profession daily. And Christy, how are you feeling about going back to school? I, I think what Jade just said, I heard him say, I don't know, I don't know. I think that I don't know is part of what's making me really apprehensive about the return. I'm so excited to see my kids. I love teaching. I, I love my job. It gives me absolute joy. But I, I don't know. I don't feel like, I think Jay alluded to this, I'm not sure I feel like the job I'm going back to this September is the one I've always done. I'm not sure I have the knowledge as an educator to implement best practices given the limitations and given the the structure we have to work in. Um, in terms of our kindergarten class, we're still figuring out what toys are we allowed to use? What are we not allowed to use? If we do mini cohorts, are the kids actually allowed to share stuff, but they're not supposed to touch each other, but they're not wearing masks, but they're at the same table. And it just comes back to that, that piece Jay said about, I don't know. And I think that's the thing that's causing a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety is everything is changing so quickly and so day to day that what we think is going to be the plan one day is completely different the next day. And we're hearing one set of safety guidelines from our local health unit, but they don't necessarily mesh with other safety guidelines. So it's, you know, I, I, it causes me anxiety when I don't feel like I have the information to do the best job I can and do justice to the kids in my class. Well, you, I want to follow up on something you just said that I thought was really interesting. You said that this is not um, the job that you've always done. What concerns you um, about the position that you're going to be in come September? Well, for me, when I look at, again, I, I come back to the, the kindergarten program, but also Jay's point about doing collaborative learning and inquiry-based learning, 
we know as educators that model of sitting in rows and learning at your desk is not the way kids learn best. We know that kids being able to interact, kids being able to share, kids being able to engage is how we teach. It's how we're supposed to teach and it's how we know kids learn. And I'm really struggling at how when the kids are allowed to play to e play with each other, how is that going to happen? Are they going to be able to sit close enough to work in collaborative groups? And this is, I recognize that in the past we've taught with kids in rows and yes, kids will learn, but we also have come forward so much as educators and learned so much about best practices of teaching that I hate to think we're going to have to go back to something that we know isn't necessarily good for kids to fit it within the structures and the constraints we've got. Well, we've been hearing a lot about why um, kids need to go back to school. For some kids, being at school is a safe uh, a place. Uh, we're hearing a lot about kids' mental health and how it's being affected with not being in school and being around their friends. Diana, do you agree that it is time for kids to go back to school? Yes, I do believe that it is time for kids to go back to school. I understand that there are families that don't have the luxury of um, online learning for their children. They have to go back to school. Um, my son has, you know, missed his friends, missed his teachers. He wants to be back in school. Um, I just wish that, you know, proper planning had happened mm -hmm. so that the students and the staff can be safe, can properly social distance. Um, I wish that they had, you know, sought out um, spaces, so community space or available spaces for, for students and staff to be in so that they can social distance, so that parents don't have to worry so much and that staff don't have to constantly be worried about, you know, what do we do with these kids that are all squished in together so closely uh, for the elementary students. I just, you know, absolutely students need to go back to school, but I, I wish the plan was better. I wish they had plan uh, planned properly and, you know, with all the time that they had since March. I keep, um, I've been hearing a lot, well, we, you hear it from the public health officials, um, and we've been reading a lot of studies of how COVID-19 impacts children, and we've been hearing that it doesn't affect children as much, but with teachers, it's going to be a different story. And as a parent of two kids, seven and nine, I know my kids, when they go to school, they pick up things. And I kept thinking what the dynamics would be like in a classroom if my kid is sick and going towards the teacher, would the teacher be like, oh, stay away from me? Um, <laughs> but, th but this is like, uh, these are real concerns. Uh, Jay, are you concerned about getting COVID-19? Uh, good question. So I was asked this recently uh, by a family friend. And to be honest, I mean, I'm concerned, of course, because it does have long lasting effects, but I'm a rather, I guess, young ish, um, healthy person. So it's not as a big, it's not as a large concern as it is for some of my peers who are a bit older, and who have already expressed concern about, you know, returning back in September or returning in September this, this fall, who have actually opted out at this point. So Am I as concerned? No, but I understand that there is a greater risk for some of my family members who are a, a bit older and I'm with my family weekly. So I'll have to adjust what that looks like um, as the school year progresses. And Christy, the same question. Are you worried about getting COVID-19? And our area has 
fairly low cases right now. So we are rural, but we are a commuter community in within our school board. We have commuters going to Kingston and Ottawa and Montreal. So we have a lot of people not working in our community, which worries me a little bit about bringing it into our schools. Mm -hmm. I am immunocompromised, which concerns me a little bit. And the ECE in my classroom has a daughter who is immunocompromised and she is uh, at risk as well. And then my mother, who is 68, lives with me um, in an apartment at my house. So I also we've already talked about the fact that when I go back to school, we're not going to be able to spend time together like we are right now. It's all going to have to be socially distanced, even though she lives at my house. That must make you feel wow. heartbreak. Like that must make you feel stressed out about keeping your family safe and going back to work. Does it not? It does. It does. It's it, it is really worrisome. So I'm trying to, you know, I have friends in healthcare who have given suggestions on how to basically scrub out when I get home and take all of my clothes and put them right in the laundry and shower as soon as I get home to minimize the risk of bringing anything in. But yeah, I really worry about my family, even though I like I certainly don't want to get COVID. But as Jay mentioned, other than my immunocompromised, I'm fairly healthy and yeah, it's it, it is worrisome, though. We don't know the long term effects of COVID and what it's going to mean down the road. So even if you're young and healthy, there's potential for it to do damage to your body that you're not going to recover. So, yeah, it, it, it is worrisome. And I love kindergartens, but they're not the best at doing things like washing their hands and not picking their noses and not licking things and not sneezing directly into your face all of which are lovely side effects of teaching the little guys. Well, I remember the first time my, my kids were in school and they got foot and mouth, and I was like, what is that? That is disgusting. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and Diana, They get um, everything. They get everything, right? Um, and Diana, are you personally worried about getting COVID-19? I am. I'm worried about getting COVID-19 myself or my son getting it or my husband, one of us getting it because, you know, the three of us heading into school um, I don't know about um, how, how the it will affect us in the long term, the short term. Um, I have a congenital heart defect that was mostly repaired when I was uh, a toddler, but there's still residual issues. Um, I, I don't know what will happen uh, if one or all of us get it. So I'm absolutely worried about getting COVID-19. Premier Ford has said that, you know, when we talk about you going back to school, uh, unions have been become a part of the conversation. And Premier Ford has said that, and I quote, the teachers unions just want to fight. They want to fight with everyone. Um, and he's also added that teachers have come up to him and apologized for their union's uh, behavior. Do you think your union is representing your interest in your opinion? Uh, Jake, can I start with you? Sure. Uh First of all, I'd love to meet the teacher who went up to Ford and said that. That's that's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I think the union is is doing some some work, maybe a bit behind the scenes. Do I wish they were a bit more um, in our in your face in terms of what the plans are? By all means, of course. But I understand that's how the union sometimes works, and oftentimes the general public will. Uh, will will see that you know they're not in your face as often, or, or the presence is not there, and then think that that's you know, scenes aren't happening or things are happening behind the scenes. But yes, to answer your question in a long, long about way, the union is doing uh, what they need to at this time. And uh, Christy, do you think your union is adequately representing your interests? 
I think OECTA has been doing a fantastic job. Um, I appreciate all of the work they're doing. To disclose, I sit on my local executive of my union, so <laughs> I am fairly involved. But uh, I really appreciate the fact that all of the teachers' unions have really been working together uh, to try and send a clear message, message to the ministry. I know that they were all working in March to try and get the ministry to start working with them on plans for return. And I, I'm not sure what else we can expect the teachers' unions to be doing when they receive the information the same way parents do. The unions are not getting notifications from the ministry weeks in advance. They're watching the press releases on TV, same way the school boards and the teachers are. So it's it's very hard to, I, I recognize more information would be nice, but they're scrambling the same as everybody else because they're not being given the courtesy of adequate consultation and adequate notification so that they can actually work with the ministry. And what about you, Diana? Yes, I completely agree with both Christy and Jay. Um, first of all, I would like to say that the teacher union is made up of teachers. So we are the union. And when I hear the government or, you know, Premier Ford or Minister Lecce, um, you know, comment about how, you know, they love teachers, they think teachers are great, but they don't like the union. They don't like what the union is doing. I chuckle because we, the teachers, make up the union. The union isn't a separate entity. Um, they represent us. They, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than we are a part of the union. So if we're you know, and I, I, I do absolutely believe that they are representing our voices. Um, they are looking out for us um, and we are the union. Well, one thing I've heard from all of you um, to, that you would have liked to have been different was the class sizes. Um, in the past, smaller classroom sizes have been one of the primary issues when it comes to, to collective bargaining. So to the general public, I think maybe when they hear small classrooms, they think that it, it is now a political issue. How is this different, Jay? Well, I think you just mentioned it, right? We've, we've been arguing for this or, or you know, bargaining for this for the, for the last, last long bit there. Smaller classrooms allows for um, more inclusive learning and opportunity to, to get more hands-on so that you're, as a teacher, you're not spread out amongst 30 students having to you know adhere to the various learning styles and needs of those students um throw in spe the spec ed aspect and now you're, you're spread even more thin so the fact that this is coming about or it's, it's being played as if it's only being mentioned now is ridiculous and christy I, I think to add on to what Jay said, we already have classrooms that are physically really, really full. Our, our schools are not built with large spaces. I'm fortunate in an FDK, the kindergarten classrooms are a little bit bigger. But physically, a lot of our teachers are tight and don't have room to move with the existing numbers they have. And I, I laugh when I'm hearing the recommendations because in a school, it's two meters apart. Well, if you can't do two meters, one meter is okay. Well, if you can't do one meter, do the best you can. And that's where we are. We're at do the best you can because we don't 
the rooms are not physically big enough to spread kids out one meter, let alone two meters. We only have a few minutes left and I have a few more questions to ask. Um, so Diana, I wanna ask you this. You know, we were talking about how everybody's had to pivot because this is something that we're all experiencing at the same time. So are you then sympathetic to the notion that everyone is winging it a little bit now, including the boards and the government? Oh yes, well, uh, the, the board, um, I, I feel has done everything they can. Um, they would, you know, put together a plan only to be told that they have to redo the plans. Um, and from what I've heard and seen that has happened uh, many times throughout the summer, um, the government, again, has had since March to come up with something to work with the educator, to work with um, health experts and scientists and epidemiologists that are not just within their political sphere and their political influence. They have had so much time to work with everyone um, involved in education, but they did not. I, I well, At least I don't feel that they have. They've only worked with, you know, the health officials um, and the medical uh, doctors within their sphere of influence and not everyone else. And, and Jay, are you sympathetic to the government? Ooh, um, no. In the sense that they have to, we're learning as we go. I, I, I'm sympathetic to the boards. Um, I'm sympathetic to TDSB. Um, I understand that there's a lot on their plate right now in terms of dealing with COVID and things like anti-Black racism as we head back into the schools and making that a priority. Um, but am I sympathetic to the government? I can't say that I am. Sorry. Um, Christy, lots of people have been working throughout the pandemic, including grocery store clerks that make minimum wage. Um, so can you see why some people are not entirely sympathetic to the concerns of teachers? I think it's a challenge. Absolutely. But I think it's a very, very different environment that we're teaching in. When we look at what it, personally I'm looking at, I'm looking at 26 kids, none of whom are going to be wearing masks. Um, I'm going to get a mask and a shield, but we're going to be touching everything. A grocery store clerk, I recognize, um, especially the environment has been challenging because there's been a lot of hostility. But when I look at my grocery clerks, they've got a plastic shield between them. They've got their mask on. They've got floor markers everywhere. The safety protocols are there and the safety protocols are not if you can do it, if it works. They've got lineups outside limiting the number of people in there. It's absurd to me that an LCBO can have 10 people inside one at a time and somehow 26 kids without masks in a classroom is okay. I just, that piece doesn't mesh with me. And in some cases, because of kids signing up for online, our classes are getting collapsed and we've got bigger classrooms than we thought we were going to have in some cases right now. And that's all the time we have for tonight. Um, I really appreciate your insights. I know we'll be following this story for the next few months. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank for, you having for having us. us. The Agenda in the Summer with Nam Kiwanuka is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. CPA Ontario is a regulator, an educator, a thought leader, and an advocate. We protect the public. We advance our profession. We guide our CPAs. We are CPA Ontario. And by viewers like you. Thank you.